0: Today we have an opportunity in, uh, to connect with symbolism. So many times uh, we lose sight in our hearts because all of a sudden the symbolism doesn't mean much to us. I know this, uh, every year, my wife and I, we have, um, in fact, I'm so excited about today because I'm probably gonna have my 21st grandbaby today at the end of the day. So I'm, uh, I'm a little bit lit up in, uh, in that part of it. And you know, I remember uh, after having our second child, Kendra, who's actually with um, Child right now in the hospital, I remember saying to my wife, I go, I think I'm done. I think we're good with two. And I remember my wife in tears saying, uh, you promised us at least four babies. And, uh, and I remember her in that space and you know working with the promise. And the big thing that I was working on in my own heart was God, I love these two so much. How can I have room in my heart for more. I thought I, somehow the, the children would be shorted love because I thought I would have a space where my heart wouldn't be able to engage it. I was really lacking the understanding that it's God that increases, amen? And so it has never been that way. In fact, there's never been a lack of love for the grandbabies. There's never been a lack of love for the, the adoptive girls that we had in our life. And there's never going to be a lack of love and in, in acceptance and excitement of today when there's going to be those that get baptized. And those who, you know, and even another grandchild that comes in. This is such an exciting day for us to engage. And so many of us, we we lose sight because we get lost in the symbolism of a cross. And all of a sudden the cross seems to mean less to us because maybe we wear it as jewelry or maybe we see it every single Sunday morning or maybe we've been around and we've been in this church for 20 some years and we've seen so many people get baptized and what you don't really understand is that's the message today is really understanding that the boundary of your heart. Where's the boundaries that you put in your life, so that the things that that God and they're so important to us, that and so important to God, and we connect with them, because you know if I went and and I'm not a hunter, but I know that many of you men are out there are are hunters, and if I went and you know got on my phone and I showed you this you know 13 point you know deer that I you know I got this last weekend, you that are hunters, I mean you just get you'd get lit up. You just get so excited because I had touched your heart with a space of just a picture. And I want you to understand that that's what God wants. We're supposed to be moved inside of our heart. In fact, that was a song that Pastor Jenna letting, you know, made the Holy Spirit move inside of our hearts. But so many times we're so calloused and we're so, we, we're so disengaged because we're so engaged with the things of this world. And we're not engaged with the things that are not of this world. And we wonder why the world doesn't see Jesus in us because we're so involved in their world as they are involved in that world, they don't see the world that we are a part of because we're not connecting to it, we're not sharing it, we're not testifying who he is inside of our hearts. And so that's why we have worship. Worship engages our heart to him, an audience of one. That's why we have giving. Because giving isn't a place where we're giving to a church, and all of a sudden, well, that's you know that where, there goes that money. No, it's our heart. God go, God's looking at this. And says, your heart is engaged in this space. These are places that God is moving inside of your heart, so that when He speaks to you throughout the week, you know how to hear, you know how to listen. But see, I know this much: if I don't focus on my marriage. My marriage, even though we're together, even though we sleep in the same bed, we can be disengaged. And we see many marriages that drift apart, even though they're in the same bedroom, but they're drifting away. That's the same thing I see in God. Many people are drifting away. And the Bible says, in that last days, many will drift away from the Lord. And so today, as we talk about symbolism, this is a lit, you know, a candle. For the next four weeks, Isaiah 9, 6 is gonna become alive inside of our hearts, I pray. And what that means is that he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Each week we'll say, Emmanuel, God is with us. How could a man 600 some years before Jesus was here, all of a sudden his heart was so engaged with Emmanuel that God was with us, even though it was something that was gonna happen 600 years later. Well, maybe God's coming is 600 years from now. I doubt it, but maybe it is. But can we be like Isaiah? Can our hearts be so engaged in the space where it's not bent on, you know where he's coming tomorrow? It's bent on what is he saying today so that his family can be touched. His family can be reached. Is my heart engaged? And can people see Christ living inside of my life? Not just through symbolism, but that, yo, the symbolism, what they do is they keep my heart sharp. And God gave us these symbolisms, not so that we would be dull through it, but that we'd be sharpened through it. And yet, sometimes the exact opposite, because we identify with the symbolism more than we do with the heart that God gave it for us. I want you to, um, James chapter 4, verse 7. Say, Pastor, how do you do that? We're gonna be talking about in five things today, five boundaries. And by the way, the whole word the word of God is full of spaces of commandments and, and full of spaces of boundaries and insights for your marriage, for your children, for when it comes down to your workplace. How I mean for some of you that are entrepreneurs, let me tell you something, God's word is full of how to work and have the right attitude and culture. You know, we say we've got to have culture in our workplace. The word of God is full of it. The truths of what God wants. Inside a staff inside of all, I mean, all the truth that you ever could imagine that you would ever need is found in the word of God. But yet so many times people will read it and not get a thing out of it because their heart isn't ready. In fact, we're going to have one of the boundaries is when you're reading the word, are you even open to it? Or are we so callous to that space that it just, we can just go right over it and it doesn't even change us? I mean, that's really what happens so many times when people, they're drifting away even though they're in a space. I mean, you can have Jesus right next to you and not even recognize him. Isn't that what the gospel's talked about? I mean, that was Jesus talking to the religious leaders of that day. And he says, you're looking for God. You say that you're of the Father, yet the Father is right next to you and you don't even recognize him. And I think sometimes I could be right in the Bible and God could be talking to me about how to improve my marriage and I could be reading those scriptures and God's going, I, I'm, you're praying about changing and it's right next to you. So, Ron, are you listening? James chapter 4, verse seven says, how do I condition? This is a place of conditioning my heart. James 4, 7 says, so humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, And he will lift you up in honor. Father, help us to capture truth today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would awaken all of us. And every one of us are in different, Lord, different little scenarios and spaces of time, but we're all caught up in this world. And Father, this world has appetites, this world has um, distractions, this world has attractions. And yet Father, Lord, there there you are, sending Jesus, not of this world, to come and help us recognize that there's a space, there's an understanding that's not of this world. It's a family, it's heaven. And that you've prepared that place for us when our hearts father yield to you god with us may truth come inside of this service those watching it god those present with us be emmanuel to us today lord in jesus name our god's people said number 1 we're going to kind of go through this and again this is by no means entirety of truth of boundaries All right? Number one, God's kids are destroyed for lack of knowledge. One of the first things that I had learned when I got saved, and I want you to know that I was brought up in a church. I went to a Christian school, parochial school, and I didn't know Jesus from the man on the moon. And just because I go to a Christian school doesn't dub me a Christian. Just because you go to church here doesn't make you, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, saved. You could be a, a full member of the body of Christ in this church for 20. This isn't, salvation isn't about church attendance. It's not a space of how many scriptures that you can quote. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Himself in a space of going, God, I, I need you. In fact, we just read it. It says, you know, to understand that you're a sinner. What does a sinner mean? Is I need the cross in my life. If you don't have a place in your relationship when you pray, you don't even have need of the cross, then you're misunderstanding the whole kingdom. Every one of us need the cross, amen? And Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me. There are people out there that are that are misunderstanding, they're, that are lost in the space of, of their relationship with God because they just don't know Him. They have a form, the Bible says there's a form of religion. That's what I had for 23 years in my life. I had a form of religion. I knew how to go to church on Wednesday. I knew how to even repeat some of the catechism that I was brought up with. I knew, you know what, I, I knew the psalters that, you know what, Go in, you know, deep and singing and then go over there and smoke a cigarette when you get out of church. I knew all about that, but what I didn't know is Jesus Christ. And one day when that crashed, my my, my boat crashed, my ski boat, which I thought was my future, being a professional water skier, and my fiance and me crashed into that bridge. All of a sudden, everything that I knew came crashing down. And I thought that I was, you know what, my life had ended, in fact, I probably should have died that day. But God had a different plan for my life. He loved me, for God so loved me. He so loves you, and God works endlessly trying to bring children of this world to be children of God. He works tirelessly through it, and He's trying to work through all of your strategies and all of your attractions and all of your scenarios. God worked in a crazy thing that was called my idol, which was a Mastercraft ski boat. That was my idol. spent every minute with that idol, and I could, you know what? fulfill my destiny, be a professional water skier. And yet I knew inside of me something was lacking. Something was missing. And that day where God pulled me out right after that crash, and I went into a, found myself into a different church in a different environment, things I had never been before. And all of a sudden I had a pull that was going on in the inside of me. If you want to know me, seek me. And that seeker that was inside of me was God himself wanting to reveal who he is, his love. And up in that balcony, that church that sat 1200 people, I pulled my fiance, Brenda. We went down to that altar and we met Jesus, Emmanuel. And God became with me in that moment. I had sought God up until that time, I had misunderstood, I lacked the knowledge that it wasn't about having some religious organization. It wasn't about some religious affiliation. It was about having a personal relationship with Jesus himself. And today many are gonna be getting baptized and not only have they made that personal relationship with him, they're basically gonna say, you know what? I want my old life, which means everything that I've tried to make of it, I'm gonna bury that in that tank and I'm gonna come up in newness. Of life, number two, boundary number two. So first is let's we need to have a relationship with God ongoing. Is your personal relationship growing, stirring for more of God? I know mine is. Number two, treating those we have covenant with poorly. Some people I know that uh, accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and 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 they're married and they treat their wives terribly. That's not the Word of God. That's not following God's plan. In fact, 1 Peter 3, 7 says this, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wife. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are in some ways, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. So God is saying, that even, as a, even in our marriage, the boundaries, which means we need to prioritize God first, but then there's boundaries and priorities after that. So the second priority that I have is my wonderful bride, Brenda. Don't try to get in the way of that because it will not be pleasant. I adore her and love her and I will continually keep that life and that marriage alive intentionally because that's not only what I have a love for her, but that's what God's word tells me to do. That's not what the world does today. There are affections everywhere else. But God's word says first him, second is my marriage, third is gonna be my children and my grandchildren, and fourth is God's family. In fact, right here it says in Galatians 6, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from their sinful nature, but those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not just get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have opportunity, we should do good to everyone. So as a Christian, you're supposed to be out doing Well, we got two people that are listening this morning. We should be out doing good. That doesn't mean if my boss treats me terribly that I don't do good. I'm not gonna do anything, my boss is a jerk, I'm not doing anything, I, you know what? When he gets it right, God says, I'm supposed to be out doing good, good to everyone. But watch that, that's not what the only passage says right here, all right? Especially to those in the family of faith. So I should be out doing good to those outside these church walls, everyone. There's never a question. God says, I should always be doing good. That means that all of you guys that had road rage, not good, okay? Or gals, met a lot of you too. All right, so guys and gals, all of you that are struggling with, you know what, with the the gas prices of the day, get over it because it's going to wreck your good day. All of you that are going to struggle with, well, I'm not a morning person, turn into one because God wants to do something good in the morning. All of you that aren't evening people, well, turn over it because God wants to do something good in the evening. It's not about you. God said, do good. And then it says, do especially good to God's kids. So you shouldn't, I mean, you get here this morning and all of a sudden you're connecting with God's family, you should be so excited about shaking their hands or connecting with them. Like I met with my sister who lost her brother this week and you see her in tears. We should not, we should be dropping everything that we're doing and go over there and see what our, you know what, our the daughter of Christ is going through so that we can be out doing good. Maybe you probably won't, I mean, if I see somebody crying in Myers, probably not gonna stop it unless the Lord tells me to. But if I see somebody crying in the church, I better stop what I am doing and get involved. Amen? Number three, not trusting God is a boundary not to cross. Do you trust God? Do you truly trust him? How do you feel when someone tells or shows you that you cannot be trusted? Does that make you angry? I know that um, we find that in in, uh, John chapter 21. And Jesus is going to, you know, talking to Peter. Hey, Peter, do you love me? You know everything, Jesus. You know I love you. Then he asked him as nothing. Peter, do you love me? You know everything, Lord. Why do you, you know, basically why are you asking this question? Then he asked him a third time and Peter is broke. Guess why Jesus did it the third time? Because of his heart. What does it take? Does it take God speaking to you 3 times? Probably for me it's 33 times to get to my heart, because everything comes in the filter of my head. And you know what, I'm busy, my head's busy with things. My head's busy with, oh my goodness, it's snowing outside and you know what is the parking lot gonna be? Oh my goodness, my my daughter's in the hospital right now. Okay, I gotta take care of baby Zoe. Hey, where's my wife says, make sure that Richard has outside of the elders prayer time and make sure she's involved with, he's in child first touch. My mind can be so busy with everything. There's baptism. Make sure that we don't forget to dismiss them. Well, they don't even put me in charge that many because I I forgot all the time. So now they got somebody else doing it. Thank God. The point of it is, is that all of that, my mind can be so busy and yet I'm right here with Emmanuel. And I'm missing the moment. And I know that a lot of you are just like me. Heaven not helped you. <laughs> all right, so you get distracted and you have so many distractions. And God's got to sit there and work that. I know what that's like when we had a, a Thanksgiving dinner and I'm trying to create a space so that my kids can still see this is about him. So I do a Bible drill. Said the only priest that would get to eat the food is if they can know the Bible. And guess what, you know what was so funny? I did this Bible drill and you're trying to find this scripture to the first. Guess who won? The patriarch, my mother-in-law, nails that thing. First person that won it. I go, look at the patriarch. You know, and the point of it is is, is, is what a time for us to realize that, you know, someone who's been in the word of God for 60 years can find that passage. And yet it still means everything to read a passage on Thanksgiving. James 1, 6 says, When you ask him ask who? God. Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. I'll never forget it was years ago when we started this church. We had just began to do this work. We were in a school And the school system was trying to literally keep us from having a church gathering. And then at the same time, I was trying to get an office space and the office space was trying to tell us that they didn't have space for us to rent to. And then a business that I was involved with was, you know, it was an actual kitchen company and all of a sudden they went over there and embezzled everything and shut me right out of the picture. So here's this $40,000 worth of income immediately gone and I have seven children I'm leaving Grand Haven with to come up here and start a church with. Nothing could have gone. I mean, every, it seemed like every door was shutting. Everything was just becoming, you know, just disarray and distracted. And I remember driving down Duck Lake Road, and I just purchased some property to build a house on and I was ready to close the thing and said, we're not gonna be able to do this. And I said, I remember praying, I said, God, in my car. I said, God, where are you? I don't even know how I'm gonna provide for my family and I'll never forget the voice that God said. He says, yeah, you've taken yourself and you've gotten yourself this far. I can see why you're worried. I said, I'm sorry, Lord, I trust you. You have blessed me in my finances. You have blessed me with calling me. You have blessed me in my marriage. You have blessed me with the children. You have healed me. You have healed my kids. You have done more. I'm so sorry for my heart getting divided, thinking that all of a sudden my circumstances that seem to be imploding, that I began to distrust you. It's like I measured how big God was by how big my problems were. And don't tell me you don't do that because some of you, if you get the flu, you don't worry about that. You pop a couple pills, pray Jesus' name, everything's over. But what if you got diagnosed with cancer? Where's the pill of faith there? See, what I mean, it, does cancer any harder to heal than a flu for God? No. But really, in the measure of, me, of your mind and your thoughts, we get divided, don't we? Number four, boundary four is self-motivation our motivations are driven so that our life will be improved more than Christ's life will be expressed I want my living conditions to be better I want my marriage to be better I want my children to be better and we're so motivated and we work so tirelessly on all of those spaces instead of just God you first James 4, three says, and, when, and even when you ask, you don't get it because you, your motives are all wrong. You want only what you will give in pleasure. Recently, I had this uh, lady talk to me about auto insurance and uh, she was just, it's a sales pitch. She wanted to know all my information and, and I, just, I just felt led. Normally, I just kind of click, I'm not interested, but something led me to have this conversation. So I'm listening to her spiel and she's taking down all my information. And then she goes, you married? I said, I am so happily married. She goes, what's your secret? I said, well, it's a couple fold. One is Jesus. And number two is, I don't look for my wife to change. I look where I need to change. She says, that's really good. Can I work with that? Can I walk with that? I says, absolutely. She had been just newly married. The whole reason it wasn't about because I didn't get insurance through her. The whole purpose of that conversation, instead of clicking it off like so many times I've been, you know, to do, because I'm get i tired, I'm, I've got a lot of things going on, and God goes, don't click off this time. Are you, is your heart ready? Or are you just going, I don't want the distraction when God says, it's not a distraction, it's an attraction for the moment. I don't want to be divided. I don't want to just say, well, I don't have time for this. When God's going, I got time for you. Number five, in closing, pushing conviction or the presence of God away, ignoring the truth of God's word. You know, I I think one of the biggest distractions that people in the church um, have toward the world, I think one of the reasons why the churches aren't so filled with people is because the way we express our, our walk with God you say, "Well, Pastor, that seems like a harsh word." Well, let me let me just give you, a, for instance, I think so many times we are busy judging the people out in the world to make ourselves feel better, because see that there's, there's not a lot of changing going on in our own walk, and yet if I'm connected with perfect, God is perfect. We could all agree that God is perfect, but can you all agree that you're not? So if I'm with Emmanuel and imperfect connects with perfect. I'm not gonna be pointing my finger at you, what you need to change in. I'm so messed up, I'm looking at myself. And I'm realizing, God, thank you for what you've done in my marriage, but there's so far to go. Thank you, God, for what you've done with when it comes down to being a pastor, but I got so far to go. Thank you for what you've done for me leading my staff, but I have so far, every single moment, every single space that I invite God in, I'm convicted. To progress to do it unto him and even better unto him because I know that I'm getting in the presence of perfect, and every time I get in the presence of perfect, which is Emmanuel, he doesn't make me feel shame or guilt or condemn condemnation. He says, Ron, let's take this journey together. Let's do this, let's make your marriage something the world wants. Let's make your, you know what, you and your children, let's make that something that the world wants. And when they listen to you talk, they're not gonna hear you talk about how smart you are because we all agree you're not. They're gonna realize how much love you have for me and that love is changing you. How does that work? It's through his word. If we claim we have no sin, now what is sin? I know it's a big word out there. Sin means I'm going to do it my way. And obedience means I'm going to do it God's way. That's all it means. I'm going to do it my way. We are only fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we confess our sins, confess, God, I'm sorry for doing it my way. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim, now this is one of the verses that we don't really get into, the last part of verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our heart. So full circle. Full circle. The importance of, of God's presence is that his truth will get into your hearts. That's the point. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so every time that you read the Bible or get into it, is it come into a space where, it is, is it getting into your heart? Or are you looking for those around you and how bad they are and how good you are? I don't spend time looking at what other people are doing wrong. I'm, I'm so messed up myself. I realize, that God, I want to be what you want me to be. Broken, contrite, live in a space of, I pray that they can see when my kids go, dad, you've changed so much. I don't get intimidated by that because I'm not trying to prove I had it together because I don't. I'm trying to prove that God is doing a new work in my life, even though here I am close to 60 years old and he's still making it new. He's still making it new. At 23 years, so here we are almost 37 years later, I'm still lit up for Jesus because it's newness of life. Those who are getting baptized, they're lit up with Jesus because it's newness of life. Let's not drift away from the space of Emmanuel. God is with us. Would you please bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I thank you. For who you are. I thank you that you sent your Son to be God with us, to show us who you are, to show us that you love the world. You didn't come here to condemn the world, to judge the world. You came here to save the world. And Lord, I pray that all of us, myself included, as Paul said, he goes, Chief of sinners. Lord, in my life, I am not a man without sin. I'm not a man that is not in a space of disobedience. But God, I pray that my life would reflect more and more of who you are. Not so that I could feel good about myself, but God, that the world might see who you are and not see Ron alive and moving on this world. That they would see Jesus inside of my life. That I could be a reflection And Lord, whomever, whoever is out in the audience or those even watching, God, I pray that truth, who you are, would have space inside their heart. Whether through symbolism, whether it be reading of scripture, whether it be in prayer or worship, whatever it might be, may the space of your truth get inside of them. Awaken us, God, to who you are that it might be personal, not just for someone next to us, but for every one of us here, that your love is personal. May it engage every one of us to different degrees in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Let's stand up and let's worship our daddy. If you liked this message, we want you to share it Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.